Hello, everyone. This is Lindsay on my show called Intense Like Camping. Welcome back. If you are new here, we are unable to figure out how to do cool musical intros to make the show a little more interesting. So I apologize for that. We also don't have advanced equipment yet. The recording is solely from my cell phone. And by we, I mean myself and my listeners. There's no one else here. It's just me. (laughs) Um, If you didn't listen last week, I definitely recommend tuning into that episode. What I'm doing right now is preparing us to set goals together for 2019. So there's a special way that I set my goals each year. And for me, I think a lot of things have to be present before you set goals in your you know, actually able to uh, meet them. Now, obviously, anyone can set goals and hit those goals. But for me, I think a few things need to be present before we start doing that. So last week, we talked about motivation. If you're lacking um, internal motivation, I kind of talked about how you could achieve that. And this week, we're going to be talking about self-reflection. Also, I want to apologize in advance. Uh, I have quite a few notes on this particular topic. So if you guys hear anything in the background, I apologize. I'm still working on my sound quality. And now since I have notes, you might hear like papers, you know, shuffling in the background. So self-reflection or introspection. So first of all, introspection, what, what does that mean? Um, Introspection comes from a Latin word, which means to look within. Now, last week I talked about motivation. This week I'm talking about introspection because to me, if you don't know where you're at now, there's no way for you to set manageable goals for where you want to be. So I always use the metaphor of like setting physical goals. So let's say you currently run a mile at 12 minutes, like you have a 12 minute mile Once you know that, you're in a better position to say, okay, my goal is to run a nine-minute mile, right? So now you can recognize the disparity of where you're at now and where you want to be. And so because of the way that I set my goals and the way that I'm going to share that with everyone, you have to have introspection. Like you have to be able to self-reflect if you want to set goals that are going to put you in a better position. Because if you don't know where you're at now, there's no way for you to decide where you want to be. And there's no way for you to really set a plan of how you're going to get there. So if you struggle with the ability to look at yourself, (laughs) to look at what's going on with yourself emotionally, mentally, like what do you think about? What are you feeling on a regular basis? How can you grow and develop? If you struggle with that, I definitely want you to stay tuned to this episode because what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down the way that I um, have learned to introspect or self-reflect myself. So sort of the steps that I take to look at what I have going on on the inside so I can grow and become a better person. Um, So first of all, self-reflection, in my personal opinion, Uh, is kind of lost nowadays. I think arguably it's been lost throughout time because introspection is a pretty big topic in like philosophy, in sociology, and psychology. This is sort of like one of those big topics that those areas talk about. Um, And it actually was a fun fact. um, It wasn't until the 1920s 
that philosophers felt that introspection was not immediate. So essentially for the longest time in the like philosophy realm, we thought that because we were able to talk, that was just sort of like immediate introspection because how could you talk and share an idea without being consciously aware that you have the idea? You know what I'm saying? So that was kind of the concept is that we naturally have introspection because we're able to verbalize and communicate. And then, of course, later on, the argument became, you know, children can communicate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're consciously aware of what's going on in their mind and they have the ability to sort of dig deep and ask those intense questions like, why are we here? Why do I think this way? Where is this thought process coming from? Et cetera, et cetera. So it wasn't until the 1920s that we realized that introspection is actually not immediate, which means it requires actual, like a level of consciousness and effort to figure out what you have going on consciously. <laughs> I just want to say this episode quite possibly could get a little crazy. I had to kind of dial it back and think about if I wanted to come from like a psychological aspect or a philosophical aspect. And I really, I decided to come from a more practical aspect. Like how can we actually use this information? Because I studied psychology and philosophy for a long time, not only in high school, but in college. And I could go around in circles with thought processes because that's just how my brain works. Um, but I wanted to, to focus on what information could I give people that they could actually practically use in their life. So if you're one of those people that lacks self-reflection or introspection or you find yourself not really doing it as often as you should, or maybe you just don't know how to do it, um, this episode will probably be super valuable to you. Now, I'm going to come from the angle of someone who is really infant and in their ability to look at themselves, which is not necessarily everybody. I think personally, we all have some level of like reflection, like everybody kind of knows, okay, I behave this way or I have this habit or when this happens, I respond this way. I think on some level, we all quote unquote, like know ourselves um, but I'm going to come from the angle of someone who's really unfamiliar with their behaviors and their patterns, um, arguably in some cases, even their personality. I want to come from that angle because this is sort of where I started, you know, a few years ago when I really wanted to focus on getting to know myself like that became really important to me because I wasn't able to change and develop the way that I wanted to. Like, I felt like I was doing everything right. And I was like, why is nothing changing? And so the, this is like, I kind of backtracked and I was like, okay, how can I really, like, really do this intensely? And this is where my whole process comes in. So the first thing I encourage people to do is to take some basic personality tests. So before you even get into like your levels of consciousness and what you're thinking, what you're feeling, how you're behaving, before you even get into that stuff, I recommend that you take some basic like universal tests that are frequently used in businesses. Um, they're used in schools. Like these are tests that we use to figure out, you know, what job suits you best. How do you communicate? Um, a lot of businesses will use these tests to sort of determine if you will fit in with their team or if you will provide them the service that they're looking for. So the Myers-Briggs test, for example, is probably one of the biggest well-known personality tests to ever like hit the world. <laughs> um, it actually categorizes, there's 16 different personalities that it'll categorize people into. And I think it's based on like 
um, how you process emotions, your perception to things, uh, logic, intuition. It kind it has like five categories that'll it'll break you into, and then it'll fit you into one of the sixteen different personalities. And of course, the major like determining factor with this particular test is if you're an introvert or an extrovert. And I gotta say, guys, from personal experience, this is part of the reason I'm bringing this up. I, for the longest time, thought I was an extrovert because I, you know, I can be very social. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been described as being good with people. Like I interact with people pretty well. But what I actually learned is that I'm very, very, very introverted. And I didn't know how to deal with that and how to verbalize that to people because I felt strange about it. Like I was like, I want to be alone. (laughs) And I didn't know how to tell my friends that. And I sort of like overcompensated by going out more because I felt like almost sort of like ashamed and like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. And it turns out that it's very common. Like, you know, introvert is a real like personality trait that many people have. Introverts are just people who get you know, they feel more energized when they do things alone more frequently, whereas extroverts feel more energized when they're social, when they're out with people. And so I think this is one of those like baseline things that you need to know about yourself, because how are you going to self-reflect and have any type of introspection if you don't even know the basics of your personality? Um, Another test that you can take is the DISC um, test, which I can't remember what all of the letters stand for dominance um might be innovative or intuitive um something like that the disc test is probably one of the more popularized ones especially for employers to kind of determine like what your main focus is how you engage with people what you uh what you bring to like a business aspect um so there's that one there's also the Oh, I'm spacing what it's called. The Enneagram test. Oh my gosh, that one's my favorite one. Um, and that's spelled with an E, not with an I. Um, and all of these tests, by the way, are available. Most of them will, you'll find like a website where it'll charge you. Um, and sometimes what, what they'll do is they'll, they'll sort of, uh, market this test tool to businesses to test their employers or something that they could give to potential people that they might want to hire but also you can usually find like a free version of each of these tests um now please keep in mind some of them especially the free versions aren't going to be like nitty-gritty detailed but it's at least going to give you a pretty good idea of who you are from like an actual social like scientific way this is your personality this is what you're good at this is what you're not good at this is probably how you communicate these are the type of people that you do better with etc etc um so the enneagram test that's actually one of my personal favorites (laughs) and what you should notice i just want to throw this in as a side note what you guys should notice is that you will have patterns so when you're taking these tests if you're not seeing a consistent pattern that probably says you're not being very honest with how you're answering the questions and so this is another reason why i recommend taking these tests before you even start getting into introspection because unfortunately a lot of us due to due to multiple things honestly you know the way that you were raised maybe you're just not very in touch with yourself you don't know how to um experience emotions um unfortunately a lot of us lack the ability to be honest with ourselves and that's why it's so crucial 
that we take these steps to start looking at who we are. And so when you're taking these tests, if you're not seeing like consistencies, that's a problem. Like you need to do reevaluate a little bit, maybe retake them and really think about what you're saying. Like don't answer the test by who you think you should be, who your family wants you to be, who you're pretending to be. Like answer them honestly so you can learn more about yourself. And then we there's like there's a colors test. Um, I can't remember like the color personality. And then the last one that I recommend you take is the Thomas Killiman uh, conflict management style test. So that's not really a personality test, but it kind of talks about your your tendency and how you manage conflict. And me personally, I think that's a really important part to who we are as individuals because life is full of conflict, <laughs> both on a personal level uh, with our families, with our friends, our spouses, and then of course on a professional level as well with, you know, and, and arguably how we manage conflict within ourselves, right? Um, so those are the few tests that I recommend that you all kind of start with, especially if you're really new to self-reflection. Like get an idea of who you are, what your personality is like, how you engage with others. That way when you go to do the inner work, you have at least like a baseline of, uh, you know, how you handle things. Now, the next step, okay, is to pick areas within yourself that you want to start looking at. Now, the reason I say this is because for me personally, I think that humans are very um, intense, complex creatures. And because reflection or introspection is an actual skill, in my opinion, you're going to have to dedicate time to build the skill. So you can't just be like, okay, well, I realized I have this behavior and then call it a day. Like that's not that in my opinion, that's not true introspection. Like that's a level, you know, like level one of introspection is realizing something that you frequently do or something that you need to change or, you know, a a habit that you have, whatever the case may be. But true self-reflection and introspection, I think should be a part of your regular life, like your daily life. So it's a skill set that you need to grow and develop. Now, in order to do that, me personally, I recommend picking just picking certain areas that you do this in. And that's because, again, skills require practice, which means you have to find dedicated time to practice the skill. Now, some of you might have children. um, You might be married. I am a single person. I have two jobs, but I don't have kids. So in other words, I might have a little bit more free time to consciously develop my self-reflection. Um, some people might not have that amount of time. Um, again, those of you who are parents, for example, um, especially if you have infant children who need you to actually survive, that means you probably have less time and space, you know, mental space to actually dedicate to this self-reflection. So I have four ga- categories that I personally uh, regularly practice my self-reflection or my introspection in. Um, and for me, that's my personality and character my behavior, my emotions, and how I engage or interact with other people. Now, arguably, all of those areas can kind of overcross into each other, right? Um, But also, they kind of have their own standalone spaces. So my personality and my behavior is more of like me looking at my habits, like what do I do sort of on autopilot, 
Um, my behavior is typically a reflection of how I'm feeling, which is why I also look at my emotions. Some people might want to look at their, their thoughts instead of their emotions. Um, and then of course, some people argue that your thoughts and your emotions kind of, you know, blend and mold together. I don't personally think that. And I'm also, you know, a 90% emotional person. (laughs) So I think it's more beneficial to reflect on my emotions than my thoughts. That's just me personally. So once you pick one or multiple categories, this is, you know, this is my process and I'm going to break it down into steps because I've been a trainer um, for a really long time and I really like operations. Like I like lists. I like one, two, three. um, And this is how I teach. So this is how I develop my process. And this is how I want to share it with you guys. So once you pick the category, okay, these are the steps that you're going to take. There are let me see, reference my notes. There's four steps, okay, that I've developed. So the first step, and I'll use an example as well so you guys can kind of understand and hopefully, you know, take it with yourselves home and actually start working on this. So the first step is the, the most obvious step, but it's actually one of the most challenging, I think, is to pay attention. Attention. Wow, I need to learn how to talk. Pay attention and become observant of yourself. Now, again, people think that this is really easy, but it's not because the majority of your thoughts, your behaviors, your emotions are on autopilot. So these are things that you learned at a really early age that you're probably not even aware that you're doing. So what I learned to do that's really helpful is at the end of each day, write down everything about your day. So I'm talking like, morning time. I'm talking, how did you engage with people at work? I'm talking, how did you feel? How did you talk to your partner? How did you engage with your friends? Um, You need to write down the details of what's going on. Okay. Now, depending on the level of introspection that you need, that you, you know, might require because you have good or bad behaviors, or maybe you're trying to change and it's not working. Um, you might need to do this exercise regularly for a couple weeks before you start to even pinpoint trends. Okay, so me, for example, in my last episode, I talked about how I'm sort of financially irresponsible with buying Starbucks. Okay, so for the longest time, I was like, what is the issue? Why can I not stop this habit? Like, what is going on? Why do I feel the need to buy Starbucks every day? Okay, so what I started to do is I was like, I started to analyze how I was feeling in the morning. Like, what's going on? Right, I'm buying Starbucks every morning, so let's look at my mornings. So I'd wake up, I'd get out of bed, and I realized... I have what I refer to as a crazy brain, okay? So my brain is constantly, I don't know if it would be regarded as a form of ADD or ADHD. Like, I feel like my brain is just constantly like alert, alert, alert. Like, it's, it's just very busy. Like, I have a lot of thoughts, emotions, things I want to say, things I want to read, things I want to talk about. Um, and so I noticed it's the most intense in the morning time, probably because I just woke up from anywhere from six to 10 hours of sleep. So I haven't really been like, you know, present. I may be dreaming and my brain is still active and working, but I just spent a long period of time sleeping. And so now when I wake up, it's like my brain is super high alert. And so what I realized is I'm basically, my brain is being overworked and I'm feeling overstimulated in the morning. Okay. And then I had to take it a step a step further and say, okay, so what, what do I feel when I drink coffee? Now, 
even though coffee is a stimulant, and if you know me personally, I already have a high amount of energy, what I realized is that coffee for me is a comfort drink. It actually reminds me of my dad. My dad drinks a lot of coffee. Um, I spent a lot of my younger years drinking coffee with my uncles, my dad, my grandfather, back east, out in a quiet environment, outside. So the coffee itself, even though actually it's a stimulant, for me, it's a like an emotional relaxer. So what I found when I started self-reflecting is that, okay, I start, I observed my behavior, you know, what's going on in the morning? How are you feeling? And then I observed how I'm handling, you know, those emotions, which is I'm going to get coffee because it's helping me relax. Now, some people would argue, okay, you know, why would you physically have to go to Starbucks? Why couldn't you just drink coffee at home? Again, that's another thing I had to reflect on. Um, that particular thing was very habitual. I've been going to Starbucks literally almost every day of my life since I was 18. So now we have an actual habit that's been formed paired with like this emotional thing that I'm experiencing paired with this overwhelmed, like hypersensitivity that I have in the morning. (laughs) So I'm going through all of these levels and all of that came just from observing myself. Like it took me a long time to process that because I could not figure out for the life of me why I kept going to Starbucks every day. Like I was like, what is the issue here? So, you know, paying attention and observing yourself, that first step is actually a lot more challenging than people understand. Because in my case, especially with the coffee, I wasn't consciously like digging deep into my brain and understanding why mornings were so hectic for me. Like all I was saying is like, oh, okay, I'm driving to get coffee every day because that's just what I know how to do and I need to break this habit and how am I going to break it? I've been doing it for so long. Like I wasn't understanding, I wasn't really observing myself and figuring out like what I was really doing, like what's really going on here. You know what I'm saying? So you have to kind of go beyond the surface, okay, of what's going on and learn to pay attention to your habits, your behaviors, your emotions, um, and how you interact with others. Now, those are my personal categories, so that's what I looked at, and that's what finally enabled me to say, okay, so, well, actually, I won't continue on because that kind of comes later in the steps. (laughs) Now, the second step, okay, after you start to pay attention and become observant of yourself in whatever category you pick or categories, okay, the second step is to, to, to determine why. Why does this behavior exist? Okay, so in my case, we can even go a step further, okay? This is going to get real deep real quick. <laughs> so I kind of talked about how, you know, I'm waking up in the mornings and I'm feeling overstimulated. So that's happening because I am a highly sensitive person. So this is an additional thing that I had to learn about myself. So a highly sensitive person is a person who experiences like a heightened, um, oh, how do I explain it? Basically, anything that's sensory, so anything that I hear, feel, touch, see, um, for me, I have a really low um, tolerance level, basically. So when lights are really bright, when something's really cold or really hot, I'm really sensitive to picking up on that. So what's happening is I'm waking up in the morning, my brain is kind of shut off and I'm relaxed and then the morning comes and I'm getting all of this stimulus. 
Okay, so that's the why in this particular example of why I'm struggling in the morning and I'm reaching for coffee. Now, I could also take it a step further and go into that comfort drink that I was talking about. So coffee for me, like I said, is a comfort drink because I associate coffee with my dad. Now, if I take it a step further, the reason that I'm reaching for it is because my dad no longer lives near me. Okay, so now I'm feeling sort of emotionally disrupted as far as my relationship with my dad. I'm missing him. I'm yearning for him. I'm feeling sad. I'm processing that I don't get to physically see him anymore. And it's making me reach for something that reminds me of him. Okay, so those those are the whys. Okay, that's the even more in depth of why am I feeling this way? Why am I behaving this way? Um, why am I doing this? And let me tell you guys, if you're one of those people who takes notes, okay, and you really enjoy my podcast, write this down. The why is where the work is, okay? The why is where the work is. This is where you're going to actually be able to change your emotions, how you're feeling, how you're behaving. This is where the work is, you guys. If you don't know the why, (laughs) you're not going to be able to change anything. So again, you know, with me dealing with this coffee habit, to some people, they may think, oh, this is so basic. You're just spoiling yourself. You know, just have coffee at home. Like some people think it's not a big deal. But I was having a really hard time breaking this habit. And that's and I had to really, you know, dig deep and figure out why is this so challenging for me? Like what is the what what's really going on here? So the why is where the work is. If you don't know why you are doing something, you need to figure it out. And then you need to kind of work from there. Now the third step, okay, so we pay attention to our behavior, we become observant. We determine why we are behaving or feeling a certain way, whatever your category is. The third step is to determine if this behavior or mindset or emotion or the way that you're engaging with people is useful. Is this how you want to be functioning? So me, for example, again, I talked about this in my last episode, I'm trying to save money. So at this point, this Starbucks addiction that I have is not useful. It's not helping me. Now, you know, technically I could afford it if I wanted to. Okay, financially I can afford it. But if I want to save money, if I want to be more financially responsible, absolutely the behavior is not useful at all. So once you figure out, once you start to observe yourself and say, okay, hey, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Then you have to determine, is this something that you want to continue doing? Is this something that, you know, is this a way that you want to continue feeling? Is this how you want to continue interacting with others? Things like that. Because the fourth step of this whole process that I've developed is coming up with an action plan for change. Okay, so if you don't pay attention to what you're doing and you don't figure out why you're doing it, once you determine you don't want to do it anymore, you can't have an action plan if you didn't do step one and two. Do you see what I'm saying? So now that I understand... Okay, I wake up in the morning, I feel really sensitive, my brain is on overload, and I'm reaching for something that brings me emotional comfort. The action plan changed too, and this is what I actually did. I started waking up earlier, first of all, because what I realized is I just need a little bit of downtime to relax my mind. Okay, so I decreased my stimulus. Um, When I shower, for example, I have like three different lights in my bathroom, Instead of turning on the full like blasting light, 
I turn on one light, so I'm almost showering like in the dark. So for me, what I'm doing is I'm decreasing the stimulus, so it's relaxing me a little bit more, like I'm less stressed out, okay? What I also do is I make it a point to make my coffee at home, okay? So there's the comfort, okay? I have the comfort drink, it's okay, like everyone chill out. And I give myself like 20 to 30 minutes of quiet time where I just listen to music, I go through the thoughts in my brain, I organize everything, and I kind of relax myself emotionally. So what that does is instead of me reaching for that Starbucks, like go to Starbucks, go to Starbucks, you're panicking, you're having a bad morning, and you know, rushing through the morning like I used to, I'm taking this extra time to basically tend to my sensitivity, okay? So... If I didn't figure out that, you know, coffee is a comfort drink and I'm highly sensitive, like if I didn't work through those things, I can't really change my behavior because I don't know why I'm, you know, acting that way. So that's the, that's my biggest example for self-reflection. Now, some people might find it really challenging to relate to that because they might be like, well, that's stupid. That's really trivial. Why did you have such a hard time with that? So I'm going to go into, you know, arguably a little more intense (laughs) example, but I honestly find that a lot of people relate to this a little bit more. So I have a quote unquote abandonment issue. Okay. Now, if you've followed me on social media before, you've heard me talk about this before. So I don't mean to like, you know, kind of keep referencing it, but this is actually surprisingly a lot more relatable for others than I have ever really understood. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of what an abandonment issue is, but I'm going to go into the behaviors and the emotions that it caused for me and how this process worked for me because I did this with the, with those issues as well. So people with abandonment issues, when they experience abandonment or rejection, okay, and this can be anything as little as criticism all the way to, you know, a divorce. Once they re-experience Um, you know, that abandonment or what they perceive as abandonment, what will typically happen is they will reach for the partner or, you know, the criticism to stop. So let's say someone who's been abandoned or rejected is going through a breakup. What they're going to do is they're, they're going to behaviorally and emotionally do everything in their power to make sure the abandonment doesn't occur. So for me, what I used to do is if I'm going through a breakup, for example, because this is the most relatable, you know, way that I can describe it. If I'm going through a breakup, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call him over and over and over again, and I'm going to reach. That's that's what I call it. I'm going to reach for him because I don't want him to leave. So I'm going to panic. I'm going to send a bunch of texts. I'm going to get very emotionally distraught, and I'm going to call over and over again because what I'm doing is I have developed this, be- or I had develop this behavioral pattern where I'm like, please don't leave, please don't leave, please don't leave. Because my brain is like, you're being abandoned. This is scaring you. You're being rejected. You're not worthy. All of these things sort of come into play. So what I did with this process is I started to see, okay, so anytime someone abandons or rejects you, you have this intense reaction. And then I went to the why. Why are you doing that? Okay, and then that filters into processing the emotions of the fact that one of my parents 
left me in my life, okay? So so she left me physically, she left me emotionally. There were multiple incidents of the abandonment, you know, really intense memories I had as a child, and then the ultimate abandonment of the fact that she's not in my life anymore, okay? So that's the why. And if you want to go deeper, uh, you know, I'll give you guys an example in, in this particular story. Um, that brought on a lot of shame and anger for me and off and obviously also a really deep sadness. Okay. So I had to work through that. Why? And then of course I had to look at, is this behavior useful? Is this helping me? And the answer of course was no, you know what I'm saying? Like nobody wants to be, I didn't want to be this girl that just had this, intense reaction every time I felt rejected or abandoned because it could be in small moments like I could get into a fight with a dude I was dating and he took off to cool down and I would have this reaction or it could be you know I dated a guy for a couple years and things weren't working out and I knew it wasn't good and he knew it wasn't good and it wasn't working and I would have this reaction so I was like okay you know obviously this isn't a good reaction so I put a plan in place to change my behavior, okay? So what I started doing is anytime I would experience this abandonment or rejection, I would would start to consciously be very aware, okay, you're about to panic. You're about to feel really uncomfortable. You're about to get really sad. And instead of doing what I used to do and calling the person over and over again or reaching or whatever, I would talk to myself and I'd say, you're not doing anything wrong. They're not leaving because of you. And I would stop the reaching behavior. So what I started doing actually was turning off my phone. That's how I changed the behavior pattern. So if you're not aware of what you're currently doing, if you can't determine whether you want to continue doing it or not, or it's useful to keep doing that, you're not going to be able to put a plan in place to to change the behavior of the emotions. So I started turning my phone off, okay? (laughs) Take a deep breath, right? And I would just spend time alone. I would just sort of like nurture myself, okay? So those are the four steps. Pay attention, become observant of yourself, Determine why you're doing or feeling or or thinking the way that you are. Um, determine if if these are valuable ways that you want to feel, think, you know, because when you observe yourself, you guys, it's not always going to be negative. Like the, that's not the, the point of self-reflection is not to point out all your all of your flaws. The point of self-reflection is to figure out how you can grow and develop as a person. And so in step three, if you say, hey, this behavior is useful, this is a good way for me to behave, you know, it's functional and it's helping me become a better person, um, then by all means, no change has to occur. Um, Even just becoming uh, reflective of your certain patterns or how you feel about things, that might just be useful when you engage with others. It might just bring you some sort of peace to say, okay, this is how I respond to things and this is why. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change it, but it is good to be aware of that stuff. Now, if you go through those personality tests and you go through this four-step process, maybe that doesn't really work for you. I want to share a couple of other things that you can do when it comes to introspection or sort of, you know, self-reflecting. Um, so if you feel like you can't go through through this process like I talked about, maybe that's a little bit too much for you. There's a few other things that I recommend. Um, of course, one of the big ones is asking for feedback. Um, so ask your friends. Ask your family, ask people that you're dating, ask people that you used to date. Hey, do you feel like I do this, right? Do you feel like 
um, when we are in a conflict that I act X, Y, and Z way. Like, how do, you know, and take feedback from people, you guys. Like, I think it's important in this step, or if you're going to take this approach, first of all, I would really evaluate the people around you because at the end of the day, perception is reality and how you perceive yourself is the most important. Um, and you're going to have people in your life who say things that aren't necessarily true um, or aren't constructive or helpful. So before you reach out to others, make sure the people you're reaching out to are people that actually care about you and love you. Um, that way you do get the constructive feedback, but it, it comes from a loving place. You know what I'm saying? And also, you guys, take this with a grain of salt. You are going to have some people who are like, will you act like this? Will you do that? And that's not necessarily true. They're going to have their own bias and their own, uh, you know, sort of things that influence the way that they perceive you. So don't always take it, you know, 100%. But if you're one of those people who really struggles with like, looking at yourself for whatever reason because th this is hard work you guys this this is argue this is why I wanted to talk about this before the end of the year before we set goals because first of all I think it's really valuable second of all you need to understand that introspection or self-reflection is really challenging it's very um sad and it's very real and if you're unable to look at yourself and say hey i'm being selfish hey i'm overreacting hey i clearly have this trauma or this problem that i need to work through like that's hard work and if you feel like you're unable to really do it in a way that's going to help you grow or change then you need to start asking other people to give you some insight as to how you behave right um, another thing that you can do, obviously, is you can seek other resources in general. So professional help, you guys. Go to a counselor. I mean, therapists are really good at this. <laughs> therapists are really good about asking you how you feel, how you behaved in a day, what's going on in your life. And they have the professional academic background to say, okay, so it sounds like you're being a little selfish. It sounds like you're a little jealous. It sounds like you don't love yourself and you don't think that you deserve good things. Okay, so, this, you know, professional help, I think, is one of the best ways to kind of jumpstart self-reflection. Although, you know, I think that everybody, to you know, at some point in their life should seek some sort of mentor or counseling. Um, but it is a little bit arguable if you've never gone through anything truly drastic or traumatic, you know, maybe that might be a little extreme because of course therapists cost money. So I wouldn't necessarily say that everybody should go get professional help. Um, but certainly if you have sort of, you know, more in-depth traumas or things that you feel like you can't address on your own, I would for sure, you know, look into that option. Another thing that you could look at outside of professional help, um, but still in that sort of resource category is books. Okay, books, TED Talks, you know, any type of public information that you could access. There are several times where I have been reading something, I've been watching something, and I'm like, oh, wow, I totally do that, right? Oh, wow, I, you know, I have this sort of narcissistic tendency or whatever the case may be just by listening to other people's stories and how they have grown, right? Or reading a book that's academically or socially or scientifically based and being like, oh, wow, I feel like I totally do that. So those are other resources that you could definitely look to to sort of examine yourself. And then, of course, I would argue, you know, anything spiritually based. So if you go to church, if you um, maybe you are in
into Buddhism, you know, whatever the case may be. That's also another way, you know, just by reading those practices, reading the Bible or learning teachings from someone who is, you know, spiritually mature. That's another way to look at yourself spiritually and kind of look at your morals, your ethics, things that you have have done wrong. That's a really good way to, you know, sort of learn your own convictions, in my opinion. And then the last thing that I feel like you can do, um, which is actually a more advanced way of, you know, self-reflecting, and that's in the moment introspection. So in the moment introspection, I would argue is like a more advanced, um, kind of like the process that I just explained earlier. This is the more advanced way to do it. And in the moment, introspection is exactly what it sounds like. It's learning how to consciously be aware of what you're doing right this second, like what you're feeling. So, for example, like I said, one of my categories is how I engage or interact with others. And so because I've done this self-reflection or introspection for so long, what I'm able to do now is literally consciously in the moment of me engaging with another person is I can, I'm very aware of what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. So what that allows me to do is sort of have like a buffer before I act on how I'm going to interact with this person. So let's say I'm talking to someone and they're talking down to me or they're being rude. What I've learned to do is consciously bring to the front of my brain, okay, you're feeling disrespected right now. Um, You're feeling very inadequate. And I can quickly go through this process of, okay, is this something that I'm feeling or is this something that I'm reacting to in this person? And arguably you can get even deeper with that because a lot of people, you know, no one can really make you feel a certain way, okay? Now, to me, that's challenging because I feel like when people mistreat us, it's very natural for us to have a response of like, why are you mistreating me? You know, to to kind of have that emotional reaction immediately. Like, that's pretty normal for most of us. However, (laughs) it's really important, again, to get on an even deeper conscious level. If if you're engaging with someone and you start to feel inadequate or you start start to feel like they're talking down to you you need to realize that really on a deep level you don't feel adequate yourself because when you know what you bring to the table when you know your skill sets when you know your worth literally no one can take that from you so what's really consciously you know subconsciously happening is that you are saying, well, this person is making me feel this way, but really you already feel that way inside. And so that's sort of like the deep level that I personally strive to get to is when I'm interacting with people or when I'm working on that category of self-reflection, what it doesn't matter what they say to me or what I feel when they say that, I need to understand that subconsciously I already feel that way. Do you know what I'm saying? So if I'm feeling rejected by someone, I need to understand that they're not making me feel rejected. I need to understand that on some level, deep somewhere in my soul, I reject myself. Like I don't love myself enough to deal with an outside source rejecting me. Now that that goes really deep and really philosophical. And arguably, I feel like that's kind of getting into like the spiritual realm and, you know, how we care for ourselves and how we experience things. But in the moment, introspection is sort of an advanced level of the steps that I explained earlier 
of, okay, instead of waiting to kind of go through our day and how we interact with others and how we're feeling, learning to do that in the moment. Because the reason that's a more advanced level of introspection is because that can breed um, immediate change, right? So if I'm If I'm analyzing, hey, I'm feeling rejected right now, and I stop that thought process, I stop that emotion right then and there, and I reassure myself that I'm lovable, and that this person isn't rejecting me, and I'm not rejecting me, and not to take it personal, it instantly changes my behavior and how I'm experiencing that engagement or that conversation with someone. So that breeds really strong and immediate change, and it's really, really effective, Um, It obviously all of this you guys takes a long long time to learn and I'm still learning how to be um, You know reflective and introspective and and what am I doing? What am I feeling? How come I'm doing that? So this is a lifelong for me It's a lifelong process and a lifelong skill, but I think it's really important to have that um, Especially, you know with like I said setting goals and really the reason I'm putting so much emphasis on setting goals is because setting goals is what changes you as a person if you're not reaching for something better in whatever category in your life you're not going to change and become better and isn't that what we all want like don't you just want to become a better person a more healthy person a more spiritually sustainable person like isn't that what we're all trying to do in life right? But you can't set goals and be better if you don't know what's going on right now. It's not possible. There's no, there's no like space for you to work in. If you don't know what you're doing right now, you don't know how to get to a new place, right? So that's all I have to say about introspection and, and, you know, reflecting on yourself. I do think it's one of the more important skills in life. And I certainly think it's going to be important when we start setting those goals here in a couple weeks. Um, thank you all for joining in. I do want to remind you, I promise I'll have guests on the show. I'm working on planning it out right now. So it won't be just me forever. Um, if you guys have any questions, thoughts, comments, ideas, please feel free to send them to me and I'd be happy to to include them in my episode. Thank you. Talk to you next week.